0: In a world where nah this ain't that kind of podcast let's be honest the world doesn't need another podcast where we ask the same old questions to the same successful people you're listening to the profit and impact podcast with nev harris grab a seat at the table as nev and his guests dig into the challenges that successful agencies and freelancers have overcome to achieve their success There's no script. And Nev's insatiable curiosity and ADD can take the conversation anywhere. So let's get real and have some honest talk, lots of laughs, and some helpful insights into what it really takes to create more profit and impact in your business.
1: Hey, it's Nev, and we're back with uh, another episode of Profit and Impact. My guest today is the esteemed Mickey Mellon. Mickey is the partner and tech director at Green Mellon. So he has lived a recession here in 2008 and not only survived, but came out thriving, actually starting his business in, in a recession. But I'm going to let Mickey tell you more about that. So how are you
2: doing, so, Mickey? Hey, I'm doing good, enough. Thanks for having me. No, yeah we no, no. picked this we we picked an interesting time to start that company for sure. We started back in o nine kind of in the middle of the mess, and it worked out pretty well for us so far. so hopefully we'll do that well this time around, too, as things are cratering a bit right now. so
1: yes, 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 yes. like I always say, I think you get a perspective on these matters that you get see that although a lot of things are different right now, that at the core, at the bigger picture level, the market's dealt with these things and it's handling it in the same way. The government's stepping in in any way possible to to bridge the short term. Now, yeah, so let, let's get into this because the recessions aren't all roses. <laughs> not not so much.
2: <laughs> well, that, that was the thing though. In 09, it was actually good for us. It made it easier to start a company because so many companies were pulling money out of TV and out of billboards and trying to figure out this digital stuff that Big companies already accomplished, but small ones hadn't. And so we could build them a fairly expensive website and get all their stuff going, and that would save them a ton of money from the traditional stuff they were doing. So the recession, the last one at least, really helped quite a bit, I think, in in getting us off the ground.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's the opportunity. If you're looking for it, recessions create opportunity. I always say it's like a forest fire. If people are gonna get tired of me saying this, but I think it's important. It burns everything to the ground, and it's devastating and tragic in the moment but then it allows all sorts of new growth yep. to come about because and everything new that's exciting and could be great is not being crowded out by this tree cover so you started in 2009 you were saying and then how things went good from the start there were some road bumps
2: yeah kind okay of, so, i guess i'll kind of back up a little bit so in 90, I guess like in 95, I was playing with the web a little bit and kind of missed all the 90s stuff. It was really like in 99, I started getting into it more, uh, took over the youth group website for our church, um, started, put, I was helping with the, the worship band there. So I was putting guitar tabs up on the site, just out of convenience, I thought it was kind of cool. And we started getting a lot of traffic to the site for people finding it in Google and whatever. And guitar tabs are still kind of a gray area legally. Um, I didn't want the church to get in trouble. So I spun it off to a separate site that blew up enormous. Um, it was huge. And so I eventually sold that site. It was ChristianGuitar.org, a bunch of tabs and stuff. It was pretty cool. And then like in 05, when Google Earth came out, I'm like, well, I'm spending a lot of time just playing with Google Earth like everyone was back then. And <laughs> built built a site around that. I figured I'm going to spend all the time looking up this cool stuff. I'll just share it with folks. And that became another big site. And through that, I met the guy that ran Google Earth blog, Frank Taylor. And in, in 2008, he was, his site was doing pretty well. And he decided he wanted to take off and travel around the world with his wife. So he sold his house and his cars and his plane and all that stuff. And I was, he said, Hey, take over the site for me. I'll split the revenue with you. And it was pretty good revenue. So I'd have to write a blog post a day to, you know, to keep this going get decent little revenue coming in. And that made it easier to make the jump to start my own company, knowing, Hey, on the side, at least I have a little bit of cushion if things go poorly. But like I said, you know, not knowing what I was doing, it, it, went pretty well even from the beginning. And then what what year was that? So that was in 2009. So okay. I had been working at a church. I was at that same church where I'd done the youth group website. And uh, a few years prior, we had an intern come in from a local college, Allie Grasky at the time. She became Allie Green, hence the green melon. <laughs> but she was there as an intern. She left in 2008, to start her own design company. I left in 09 to sort of do my own web design slash blogging, whatever. But I needed her design skills and she needed my tech skills. So we quickly realized we need each other enough. We may as well start a company and just, we didn't even mean to start a company, we just start a little partnership, just kind of help each other out and let's just give it a name. So we called it Green Melon and split the money down the middle. And yeah, magically cool. a decade later, we have, a, we have an agency and employees and an office and we didn't really mean to do it, but it's worked out well. So,
1: <laughs> All right. I promise everybody we will get back on track because I have some follow-up questions, but <clears throat> guitar tabs, I'm, I'm, I'm curious.
2: W- what are these? So this is like just the chords for songs. Like if you want to play a song, you'll look up and say, okay, you play C, D, E, you know, just what the chords are for them. And it's, you know, so if you, a lot of guitarists, I mean, there's like ultimate guitar is kind of the big one. Now they're licensed and all that, but back in the day, it was kind of the wild West. And so people would want to say, I want to play the song at church Sunday. I don't know how to play it. So they could look up the site and see how to do it. And so I built Christian guitar at one point. It had, I don't know, 150,000 users in the message board and, you know, tens of thousands of songs and I put Google AdSense and stuff on it and made some pretty good money and it was pretty cool. So, Yeah, was, that is it, cool. It, it's kind of faded over the years but it was it was neat for a while and then Google Earth was the same way where I still have it. It's Google Earth Hacks was the site I had which Hacks was, in retrospect, a bad name because people thought it was like hacking but it was more like, no, no, cool <laughs> ways to like hack, you know, it was the good version of hacking but yeah, 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 the problem yeah. there is Google Earth is still very popular today but it's just not trendy you know back in 05 people everyone was talking about google earth you could see your house and look at the park and your schools you grew up in it was now it's just kind of utility so if you go to google trends and type in google earth you can see it just nosedive over the last decade and so traffic to our site has as well but it was fun and it got me got me where i needed to be so it worked out
1: Hmm, cool 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 like i think that's neat about the guitar like you know i think there's all these like super niche kind of stuff that has this big like not big but passionate communities yeah and it's like you never know about that kind of stuff like like tabs for people to figure out how to play chords on a guitar I mean I never would have thought about that but you know you have this raving community that you created a business around that you were passionate about that everybody was (laughs) that you shared that with I think that's really cool yeah and that was
2: yeah. it's amazing community size this was just Guitar tabs for people in churches in like 2002, and we had 150,000 people join the site. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, how, wow. Yeah. But that no idea. because it was easy back then because there was no competition. Now, if you search for guitar tabs, there's a million sites, you know. But if you're first to anything, you have a, a big advantage. So I was first there and then first, first to the Google Earth stuff or first-ish. First enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of worked out. So.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, all right, let's get back to talking uh, recessions. So yeah,
2: <laughs> You're the best so
1: you left kind of like the stability of of a good full-time job. You know you had a little revenue coming in on the side, but you left the stability of a full-time job to start a business and in a recession. So yep. some people would think that's pretty brave and bold. So what were your thoughts on that? How'd that work out? Well, we know how that worked out, but yeah, it's I,
2: worked out well. And so yeah. We're actually fairly risk averse. I think we've become more that way as time has gone on. So that's where having I needed that blog on the side to at least cushion me a little bit. And I had been, you know, I had my own company. I'm looking at my notes here. I had started micmel Inc., which all my stuff is micmel If you look me up, M-I-C-K-M-E-L, there's com and Twitter and Facebook and whatever. Um, but I started my own a couple of years prior. So I already had a little book of business and Ali had a little business. So it's not like we were, you know, just saying, let's see what happens. You know, we both sort of brought our really the way we did it is you know, Ali and I, every month we'd say, okay, I owe you $300 for that design and you owe me 500 for this. And we kind of figured it all out. And finally I said, all right, Ali, how much did you make last year? What were your taxes? And we, we made within a thousand dollars of the same amount. Now, granted it was a pretty small amount. I don't remember (laughs) what it was, you know, 30 grand or whatever, but it was the same, it was like the same amount. So we said, all right, so this year, let's just throw it in a pile. We already have this business coming in. So let's throw it in a pile and split it rather than dealing with who has what. And, you know, just either of us get business, throw it in, we do all the work, we split the revenue and, you know, so we had a decent little business before we even started, which kind of helped. And then I had the blog off to the side, which helped a bit more. But yeah, it was still it was it was a scary time to do it because, you know, yeah, people, other tr- people, at the church were getting laid off, you know, just because they were having to cut back a little bit that time. And yeah, it was it was, it was nerve wracking for sure.
1: Let's talk about, We like gung-ho, like excited, confident? Was there some some worry there? Was there some, what was the day-to-day, not like the big outlook, but what was the day-to-day kind of feelings that you had when you started this and everything like that about the economy,
2: your, the business, you know, clients? I was excited. I mean, I'd known for a few years that I really wanted to build some kind of business with Allie just because she's sharp and we got along well and work well together. And I didn't know quite what it would be. So I was excited when we decided to do this. I was like, all right, cool, we're going to do this. But then also, I didn't really know how to do it. You know, I didn't. <laughs> neither of us have ever worked in another agency, which is, that's the benefit that some of the employees we've hired. is they come with some experience, and they can help guide us a little bit. But yeah, just kind of figure out what to do. And we both had done pretty well to that point, but it was all referrals and word of mouth. And even now, it's still largely that, which is kind of a scary place to be where, you know, things keep coming in and things are looking good, but you never really know where the next one's coming from. And especially in those early days, things were, were real light, just kind mm-hmm. of getting things going. But I mean, again, so many people were transitioning from analog to digital for their marketing, at least in the folks we were talking to that business came in pretty quick and pretty heavy, so
1: yeah, I think it's I think it's really it's a great story that uh you were where you saw an opportunity, you took advantage of opportunity because right now, I think we have a decision. It's like, are we gonna you know feel sad about what we lost and scared? and let that paralyze us? Or are we gonna realize that, hey, look, like there's stuff to be excited about. I need to reposition myself into a way to take advantage of the opportunities that this is gonna create. I, I could live in the past and mourn what maybe we've lost, the clients we've lost, but that's not doing anything productive. And I think you, like, I think that's such an inspiring story that you were like, hey, I'm, I was excited. I went out there, and even if you can't be excited, but you know, let's fake a little bit of excitement to come up with an idea and go after it. So can you tell us, what did you do? Like, how, how did you get it going? Was there something that you say you would do different then because of the way the economy was and you would do, say, like two months ago and everything was great?
2: I think the thing we did well, and I'm not sure I do it any different, but we've always been very risk averse. I like think I mentioned a minute ago, and I heard yeah. a great podcast. Seth Godin has his awesome Akimbo podcast. And he talked about, in general, if you're a company, if you leave money in the bank, that's money that you're not earning on. You know, you could be investing it elsewhere and you know, extending yourself, but it's also a cushion. And so in our case, we, again, have left more money in the bank than we, quote, should have. But having that in the bank now has been good. So our very slow growth has been a good thing. I and mean, we've been... 10 and a half years now, and we've hired a total of four people, you know. So it's we've grown, but but very slowly, you know. We, it was just the two of us for a few years, and even then, it's been very slow and deliberate hires. And so, I, I don't know that I'd change much there. I think we had we had a couple miss hires that didn't work out great, so I you know, I wouldn't do those again. But even that <laughs> led us to to understand what we wanted. I mean, our team now is phenomenal, I wouldn't change anything we have at this point. I would have liked some of them earlier on in the process just because. You know, Ali and I both kind of worked until we were just burned out, and then finally hired someone to help. And there's a probably a better balance there somewhere. But again, being risk averse, it's you know how much money do you have to have in the bank before you hire someone, or how much should your annual monthly revenue be? Like you know, there's all kinds of things you should be figuring. And so we didn't know how to figure that stuff out, so we just waited as long as we possibly could to hire. And so now we have better metrics to look at. We have a proper accountant and coach and stuff, and so we can look and see how much we have to afford to hire someone else. You know, we're looking at, you know, a digital strategist. Our plan was this year. We'll see how things shake out, but we've been watching every month. We have a metric. Now we can look and see how much can we afford to pay a digital strategist. And I think right now it's up to like 20 grand we could afford, which is not enough. But every, every month we watch that and it grows. Whereas we have a lot of money in the bank, but which normally we would say, okay, we have a bunch in the bank, let's do it. But now we have proper metrics to see, okay, maybe we shouldn't do it yet. And, having that to help guide decisions back in the day would have been helpful instead of just waiting till we we're burned out and needing to hire someone to help. So.
1: Yes. I, I I love this. I love so many parts of this. So <laughs> <laughs> let's jump to the fact that you, My ADD is going nuts right now. (laughs) Where to go? But let's jump to the part where you said you're planning to hire this digital strategist. So right now, you still have a goal in mind because we we talked in a previous conversation. We've talked about metrics and everything like that, and you have a lot of you have a lot of metrics, and you're very you run a very analytical number oriented decision making firm no actually let's jump to the fact that you are would you say by nature you're a statistical analytical focused kind of person who n- understands math and finances and numbers just by nature
2: yes i'd say for the most part finance is not as much as i've never taken much finance class but yes i'm a very analytical person I you know do math in my head i keep spreadsheets everywhere you know all that kind of stuff absolutely And really, that's kind of helped where Allie and I are so different in a lot of ways, but we overlap our little Venn diagram, that slice in the middle. Our values are roughly the same, but we also are both very numbers focused. We both love living in spreadsheets and sorting stuff out and working on metrics and all that. And then the rest of it, she's more design, I'm more development, and that kind of works well. But I think it's great that both of us are big into metrics. It can be tough if you had partners where one of them was in the spreadsheets looking at numbers, the other one was like, ah, who cares? Let's buy a printer, (laughs) you know? So yeah, certainly very much, yeah.
1: Now is she very finance educated numbers oriented and everything she's, like that?
2: She's more finance educated than me, I would say, yeah,
1: yeah, I um, think that's yeah, that's kind of what I think what we're talking, yeah, you're very a developer, you're very statistical and analytical, but I don't think like the numbers like the finance end of it you now appreciate the value of that, you know, right. and that she kind of shepherded that in there, and then you have a great accountant that gives you terrific advice, right.
2: Exactly. That, that's it. And I, I do enjoy financial numbers. I just don't full, fully understand them all the time. So I've like, you know, watching some of your talks and stuff you've given to help me just, you know, I'm a sponge trying to learn this kind of stuff. and It's been great. But yeah, having our accountant that helps so much and then Allie to work on some of her numbers has been great. And really what prompted that shift a couple of years ago when we hired him, we hired Jason Blummer and Associates, B-L-U-M-E-R. A fantastic little firm out of South Carolina. But our problem was I was using a friend of mine that does our taxes. She still does some of our taxes, but she would just kind of reconcile every month and get us our books. You know, if someone came to us mid month and said, what's your P and L looking like for the month? We'd say, no idea. I'll let you know in a couple of <laughs> weeks when we see, which is not an appropriate answer for a, a company that wants to be taken seriously. So now we can, you know, pull up our QuickBooks online anytime. And say, okay, this month we're running $3,000 ahead or 4,000 behind, or we can see exactly where we are all the time, which is nice. So again, I still don't know how they balance all the books and do all that, but I know I can pull up QuickBooks and I can look at the stuff and say, hmm, expenses are high, profits are high, you know, whatever's going on. And, make some judgments from that. And then like you said, we have our our scorecard spreadsheet. We update every week with that stuff. where We just kind of plug in numbers and just watch the trends and see if they're going good or going bad or whatever the case is.
1: Yeah, I love that. You showed me that scorecard sheet. I thought it was so cool because it's just so what like I focus on and I try to preach is Mickey has this really great scorecard sheet that it's not a complicated spreadsheet it's not long it's not like it's not like 50 million tabs and 20 million numbers and it's just a list of things that he follows so some key point numbers about his business that he follows and like a couple months worth of uh where, where these numbers are going and, and where they want them to be and it's just this like compass that really directs a lot of decisions they make and they have they, they use an accountant very well. they're they're both you know have their strengths and everything like that. and and you are I don't want to say you're not worried about these times. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but these numbers, how did they help you out when everything started going bad?
2: Yeah, it's helped quite a bit. So what we've tried to do with the spreadsheet over the past i don't know year or so is try to put more leading indicators in it versus trailing indicators, which, Again, this is all the stuff that's pretty new to me, but I know that if I look at our bank account balance, that's telling me how good we did six months ago and the money's coming in now. I want to get a better look at what we're doing now and how it impacts us immediately. So we look at things like, one of my favorite numbers on there is how much business have we won in the past 30 days? Most of those folks haven't paid us yet or maybe just paid a little down payment, but I can see that number and say, okay, we won 10 grand in the last 30 days or 30 or two or whatever it is. And that'll tell me, OK, the bank's going to be good in six months or not good or, you know, it'll help us make decisions going forward. Uh, but the one that's really helped for now is we kind of do all the math and say, OK, with the recurring revenue we have and with our typical expenses and with the outstanding invoices, how many months do we have left? You know, if if we don't land any new business, but we keep the recurring stuff around, which both are kind of inaccurate, but should be close enough. And we can see we've got a couple of years, it looks like, you know, even if we don't land much new business. So it gives us some good comfort. And again, that comes back to really it's Allie's push. Actually, I'd say it's, it's Allie and I are appreciating each other a lot more because I've pushed for the recurring revenue over the years. And she's kind of been like, these are just little, you know, little revenue or little recurring clients. They don't mean much, but they add up to a lot. So she's appreciating yeah. that. But she's also forced me to be very slow. I, I would have hired more people by now. I would have spent more money. She's like, no, no, let's put money in the bank. And so. We have a pretty healthy bank balance and a pretty healthy recurring revenue flow, and so we can look at the math and say, okay, we have you know whatever is almost almost two years worth of runway, assuming we don't lose a bunch of you know maintenance clients all at once. With which, if the economy gets bad enough, that could happen. But for now, yeah, I'm feeling pretty comfortable with things. You know, I love this. This is this is
1: this is such a great success story about about what you can do. And if you're out there and you're thinking to yourself, you know, that's great for him, but this can never be me. It you can. Like, this is the dead horse that I beat. You can't understand your numbers. It just was never clearly explained to you. uh, uh, Mickey here has a great team with his partner, and he he uses an accountant, and he knows the questions to ask his accountant. So that that triad right there just really amps up the value there so that they have less stress. And this is what I always try to tell people. You want less stress in your business. Understand your numbers so that when these ups and downs happen, that you know what to do. Mickey knows exactly when he can hire that digital strategist because he has a goal and they're working to that. I love the fact that you said we could pay him $20,000 right now. (laughs) It's not enough, but every month we're working to that because you have a goal and you're working to that goal. You're putting your numbers to work to achieve something for you. And you know every dollar you spend that otherwise is putting you a dollar away from this digital strategist. So it gives you discipline for how you spend.
2: Exactly. And I got to be careful with that, though, too, because I remember a few months ago, Allie and I were talking, and I think that number was like, we could afford $500 a year for this person. You know, something just ridiculous. And our team heard that, and they they got nervous, like, oh, my gosh, you know, we must be almost out of money if that's all they can afford. And, and we had said, like, no, 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 we have plenty of money, but we're just looking to do the math correctly each month and the you know, percentage of revenue for employees and all that kind of stuff. It just doesn't quite add up yet. But we're not we're not in any danger. Like they heard the we can only afford five hundred dollars for something. Like, oh my gosh, it must be scraping the bottom. Like, we had to explain, no, 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 it's not. It's just it's a whole complex thing to figure out what that number is. And we're we're plenty healthy, but we want to keep it that way. It's the issue not like. I'm oh, sorry. I was just gonna say the issue was a few years ago we would have said, oh, we have plenty in the bank. Let's make the hire, you know. Which and maybe it'd work out, you know, if they brought enough business. But now we see that plenty of money in the bank, but we still shouldn't do it. And again, right now I'm kind of glad we didn't randomly pull the trigger late last year. Because you know, I'd rather keep that money in the bank today just just because we never know. No one knows what's coming, you know, in the coming months here. So I like more more bank balance is a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And this is always like it's always that decision where should I spend the money now and not have it in the future. Yes, and and that's a great point. It's not like it's the fact that you have every dollar and everything like that, it has its job in your business. So it's not like and part of that job is to pay you is to pay other things to pay other priorities and right now you're building up this $20,000 it's not like just a profit you have in your business this is something that you're setting aside out of after everything else to take care of. So yeah, it's a good thing. Now you talked about your team and you, you said something interesting in a conversation we had about sharing your numbers with your team. And I, I've seen this discussion happen a couple of times. Could you give me your thoughts on that? I thought it was pretty cool.
2: Yeah. So I heard this from uh, David C. Baker. I've been following his stuff a lot. David C. Baker and Blair Enns both have a podcast called Two Bobs, which is awesome and various books and stuff, but they've been doing a lot of webinars related to COVID stuff. He said, you may be tempted right now to open your books up to your employees just to say, look, here's all our numbers. We're looking good. And you can, but you can never close them again. So if you want to open them up for now to show them how healthy you are, when things recover six months from now, you can't suddenly just close the books again. So we're trying to be careful of how much we want to show the team versus, you know, versus not. And so we show them some of the resulting numbers. We say we have, you know, 22 months of runway. So be comfortable. Don't be scared. You know, and we can afford to hire someone for 20,000, but we don't open up everything all the way, which I can argue both sides of that. But again, he, his point is just be careful. You may be tempted to open them up all the way now and you maybe you should, but you're never closing them again. So be, be smart about that decision.
1: Yeah, it's, it's always a catch twenty-two because everybody thinks the business owner is like the wealthiest. You know, he's going out there and like Scrooge McDuck style, swimming in his swimming in his coins, throwing yeah. some stacks of hundreds in the fire to start it up. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but there's a, there's the, the, what they don't see is there's, there's a lot of struggle in in the beginning. You know, for a lot of people, there there was shit. I can't. Ugh, We lost like forty thousand dollars my first year in business. (laughs) So, mean, just getting started, people don't see see that they just see their paychecks cashing every week. So, I, I think there is pluses and minuses, and I think it's the culture you build on your team too to see if the people on your team are in it for the team and not just in it for what they could get out of it. You know, believe in the mission, the vision, where you're going, and what they want to build.
2: So for sure. Yeah, we're, we're doing something now too where every month, and we have weekly meetings and various cadences. We started a new monthly meeting called State of the Melon where we <laughs> sit down and say, here's how the numbers look. Here's how it's going. We lost these two clients. We get just to make sure we're all on the same page and really just kind of ease their minds because a few of them on the team I know for sure are kind of nervous. They're seeing their friends get laid off places and they keep wondering, you know, uh-oh, Mickey just asked me to join a Zoom call. Like, what's going on? Like, so every month we say, look, things are good. We have this many months. You know, if things get bad, we'll let you know. And so that's been helpful. And then separate from that, something that's helped us, we started, I guess, last year, is for the first nine years, Allie and I's pay was just random. At the end of the month, we pay everything, see what was left, how much you want to leave in the bank. And like, okay, let's take a couple grand each or take a bigger chunk or, you know, just kind of kind of random. And again, Jason's helped us figure out more calculations on that. So we both get paid a fairly fairly low salary now. I and mean, actually, Allie went part-time last year, which is part of the reason for this. So, you know, I make a salary, she makes half of that. And then we have... Some metrics each month. We say, hey, if profit is this much, then we can take a chunk of that little profit. And you know, so we have some math behind it versus all right, Allie, we have you know 50 grand in the bank, but we want to leave 30, so we take 10, but you know, it was just haphazard and now it's very specific, like okay, we're getting paid our little salary. And this month the profit was if there was profit, some months there is, some months there's not, but there is profit. So therefore we take this chunk of it, and that's been kind of helpful too, to help ensure growth going forward. So we're not not cleaning it out as much as we used to, you know.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. So I love this story for so many reasons. And I just think it's it's very interesting. And I think it's gone directions where I wasn't even expecting, which is really cool. <laughs> let's talk about stuff. We got connected through the uh, WordPress community and everything. So let's talk about you're doing something pretty cool. Like you started something pretty cool and it ended up being pretty fortuitous. So talk about that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I've had a meetup we've hosted for, gosh, six years or so now. And it's been in person here in Marietta, Georgia, just outside Atlanta for about the first five years. Then last year with Allie having her second child and stuff, I just kind of put it on hold. And this year I said, you know, I'm going to get it going again. So December I started planning. I figured I'm going to do it remote this year. I'm going to do it virtual. We use Crowdcast for it. I'm like, just make it easier. And of course now we have to do it remote. So that, yeah, it's very fortuitous to, to decide to do remote meetups. And so it's been going well. We have, you know, 40, 50 people on most of them. And we can just kind of hang out. They can ask questions. It records it automatically. And, you know, it's been Been pretty good, but yeah, being part of the WordPress community is just—it's an amazing community. I mean, you've seen that with April and stuff. Everyone's just so giving and open. And I say with the meetup is—you know—we just kind of give all of our secrets away to everyone that's in the room, but they give their secrets away to us too, and you know, we all leave smarter for it. And I think it's made all of us in the community better as a result of that. So it's been—it's been a good thing.
1: Yeah, the Nev Harris brand came about because I was looking for a way to give back to all the people. Because I'm not going to tell my story to beat people to death that already know it. But I, I just, I had no, like I was, I was, I was a taker because I didn't know anything enough about WordPress or anything like that to really help anybody. And I got so much support and everything from the community. So when I started this personal brand and everything like that, it was a way for me to actually give back. And I uh, yep. say, okay, well, I can never help you with PHP, but I can never help you with what thing to pick, but I can't help you understand your money. So yeah. it was like a, a cool way for me to like give back. And then, you know, with recent events, it's kind of turned into a little bit more of our focus. So it was kind of just a passion project. Anyway, so. Would people, would people what like. So if people don't understand what a meetup is, what a WordCamp is, and maybe talk a little bit about why Atlanta is so unique and why bringing that Atlanta culture in a virtual world is so, in my opinion, just so cool and it's just such a benefit to everybody out there.
2: Gotcha. So, yeah. So you mentioned two things. You mentioned meetups and WordCamps. So meetups, there's meetups about every topic, but Atlanta, I think, has by far the most WordPress-focused meetups of yeah. any city in the world. There's something like 17 of them that meet. Most every month in Atlanta, which is insane. About some are super deep developer stuff, some are more business, some are just casual, you know, picking themes and kind of how to plug and play things and various topics. And again, they're typically in person with five to 50 people in the room on laptops. Often there's a speaker just kind of, you know, giving the topic. And usually it's a speaker into a Q&A kind of session. Uh, Kathy Druin is huge in the WordPress community. A lot of folks listening may know of her. And she's actually what got me going. She hosted a meetup years ago. And I'm like, this is amazing, but we need more of these. So that's why I started my own just I <laughs> love the love the community there. But she's so great about connecting folks during the meetup. She'll say, okay, the topic's done. But now, Nev, I see you're here, and I know you can help Daniel, because he had an issue I was talking to him about. And I know you can connect. And Mickey you need to go talk to Amy in the back. She had a PHP issue. I know you tackled before. And so she's able to make the meetups just magical. And I've tried to try to do the same kind of thing. But her insight into people's psyche is just ridiculous and their, their needs. And then WordCamps are basically annual giant meetups. You know, once a year in, I don't know, 160 cities around the world, you have a conference with uh, the Atlanta one has about 700 people that come to it. It's one of the bigger ones. Some hundreds of people come and it's just sessions all week. It's a normal conference. You know, there's 42 sessions about every different topic of WordPress related stuff. Again, some super geeky ones that I don't even understand the title of (laughs) and then some business ones and whatever. It's, it's been great. And actually uh, WordCamp Atlanta was scheduled to be in two days from now. And of course that's, we've simply canceled it for this year. We've looked to maybe reschedule, do something else. It's just, it just can't happen. It's such a big event. So we're just bailing on it for this year, but it's been, I think 10 years now, we'll bring it back next year and do it again. And that's kind of where April stepped up and did that remote control summit a few weeks ago, not to replace it per se, but kind of to replace it. I think it was sort of, you know, just to get that community back together. And that was awesome. That's of course where we met. So that's been good, but yeah, meetups are still going. I see a lot of them going virtual, you know, all the different tools with zoom and crowdcast and different things out there. It's, it's relatively easy to do it virtual. And yeah, we, we love each other. We love the community and learning from each other and it, it's been good.
1: Yeah. I, um I went down to see a mutual friend of ours, April, and she brought me to these WordPress meetups and it was uh, really cool. The, the community in Atlanta, the the way they come together, everything Mickey was saying, like everything you imagine networking should be and never is. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep, that's what Pretty they much. got going on down there. So the fact that Mickey is bringing this to like the masses to say, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, yeah, you mean you should just definitely. I'm telling you, give it five minutes, you're gonna stay for fifty. Pop pop into uh, Mickey's meetup, and if it's anything like the people in the community I've met down there, you're just gonna love it. It's gonna be so such great, fantastic people. And I think right now, more than anything, what we need is community. We need to have connections with people and people helping us, and they come together and support each other. And and rough times. We just say something there.
2: I'm just. I was gonna say just for sure. I was agreeing. Yeah, we really need that. I mean, I'm seeing the Facebook WordPress groups. There are there's. Again, hundreds of different Facebook groups about WordPress. They're blowing up way more than they used to, even just because people want to connect and ask questions and help each other. And yeah, it's been pretty awesome. And I was going to say, I'm not sure when this podcast is going live, but our next meetup is April 30th. And it kind of ties together because it's all about that scorecard we talked about earlier. I'm going to kind of go through all those metrics. And again, my hope is to be able to share all the metrics we look at, but I'm hoping there'll be people like you in the room and say, oh, also though, <laughs> here's another one you didn't mention that I follow. And we can, again, we can all leave... Smarter for it. So it should be good. So meetup.com slash a brighter web is that. And you can, yeah, again, it's just a free online thing April 30th. And there'll be a replay of it later if you miss it. So cool. What was that website again for everybody? Meetup.com slash a brighter
1: web. A brighter web. I'm gonna be sure to get that in the notes. A brighter web. And uh your guess is good as mine when this is gonna go live. Yeah. (laughs) It's all (laughs) good. This is uh, this is uh, like for for those of you who don't know. This has been a, uh, an idea, a uh, dream in my. I'm boring the hell out of Mickey. He's yawning now. This is I failed as a
2: podcaster. Now I was coughing. <laughs> I was coughing muted. So
1: yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, for those who can't see, we're also doing a video <laughs> one. I guess this will be on YouTube, but. Yeah, it's been a dream of mine to do this podcast, this goal. So, yes, and I hear that Apple can take forever to approve a podcast. So I'm yes. going to try to get this out to you as soon as possible, guys. All right, so check out Mickey there. Uh, Mickey, where, where else can people get a hold of you if they want to, like, reach out or if they want to just follow you or something like that? Do you have s- social media?
2: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, again, you can find me everywhere at Mickmel, M-I-C-K-M-E-L. So, Mickmel.com is my blog. You can get my little emails there. I'm on Twitter with that name and Facebook with that name and LinkedIn with that name and pretty much everywhere. And then our agency, if you want to check it out, is GreenMelonMedia.com. Melon is M-E-L-L-E-N. But if you type in GreenMelonMedia.com, you can spell melon most any which way you want. It'll get to us. We bought all the typos. (laughs) So, yeah.
1: Cool, cool, cool. And I highly suggest you checking out not only just his meetup, but especially this one happening at the end of the month. Because I've seen this spreadsheet. And coming from the uh, finance perspective... I love it because it's actionable, it's easy to understand, and it's just the information you really need to know. And if Mickey's going to share that with you, it's extremely generous of him. So, well, thanks for your time, Mickey. I had fun. I hope you guys enjoyed
2: it. And I hope you had a fun time, Mickey. I did. Yeah, thanks so much. Looking forward to hearing more episodes of this coming out down the road, too. So, appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Mickey. Cool. Thanks.
0: That was the Profit and Impact Podcast with Nev Harris. For a full recap of this show, or for more info on making more profit and impact with your agency or freelance business, visit nevharris.com. If you liked this episode, show us some love. Give us a rating and comment over on iTunes and help Nev get the message out to more agency owners and freelancers. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.